Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Nice. Yep. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a movie I never want to see again, but it never gets old to quote it. (laughs) True. That's the the only thing from it I can quote. I am really bad about my wife. My wife. (laughs) So since this episode is all about good and bad luck, I would like to hear about times that we have had impressively good or extremely bad luck in our lives. Because I have a very short memory span, uh, my bad luck was actually very recently. It was with me applying for jobs about a month ago and it was just like anything that could go wrong in one day had gone wrong Mm -hmm. so i just started a new job at a grocery store as a pharmacy tech which jasper will be joining soon and i wasn't not excited for that job but it definitely didn't pay as well as the other jobs i was applying for and there was one job in particular i really wanted it was a work from home job so i go to the interview because nowhere else is calling me for the pharmacy tech job first interview goes great and then i'm scheduled for a second interview now the job i actually want finally calls and they call on the day of my second interview and i'm like i'll do an interview but you know i'm literally going to my second interview for another job and she's like well let's do it right now an hour before i have to leave and i'm like fuck fine let's do it i do it it goes so freaking well and like we're laughing we're having a good time she's all like listen we're gonna want to hire you but like just because of how the company works like we have to have a second interview before we have to give you official invitation to work but she's like i want to give you that second interview today i do not want you taking this other job and i was like okay i'm gonna go to the second interview with my other job but you're who i want to work for so i'm immediately freaking out i do not drive i have no money so i have to take the bus i literally dart out the door throwing like a um, suit jacket on and everything to try and like look nice for the second interview and then I get to the bus stop the bus is not there yet I wait I wait I wait like 15 minutes I'm running behind the bus just drives past me and I've never been left by the bus before it always stops for me and it just literally plows through and I'm just standing there and I'm like the fucking worst it's the worst Mm -hmm. and I'm like well shit so I'm waiting And, like, I'm like, well, now I have to Uber, but that's literally one Uber ride is, like, a third of what's in my bank account. So I call Kroger's, and I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, I accepted another position. So I canceled the second interview for the first job, go back, have my second interview for the job that really wanted me. The interview goes so well. We don't even talk about the job. Like, I'm talking to the guy about video games, (laughs) because I do it on Zoom. He sees I have, like, a gaming headset. And we're just laughing and having a good time. But at the end of the interview, he's like, wait, what position did she say she was hiring for? And I tell him and he's like, 
we don't have any openings for like that job. And he's like, but you know, we really like you. I'll double check. I'm sure it's just a mistake. And he's like, we'll contact you in 20 minutes with the offer. So I like declined this other job that I needed immediately for the second job. I wait, I wait, I wait another day. They never call back. And then I get an email that they had to cancel the class that I had been hired to. And I was like, fuck. So I just like lost two jobs in one day that were like shoe ins. So that's pretty much it. Not really a funny story, but bad luck. Horrible. I mean, <laughs> it's it's funnier now because yes. you got the pharmacy tech job. Yeah. Anyway, because they were just that desperate. They were. Yeah. yeah, they literally were like, hey, you didn't go to your second interview. They called me two weeks later, but they were like, are you still like looking for a job? And I was like, sure. <laughs> Luckily, it worked out. But good luck came back later. Oh, my gosh. We burned the rabbit foot. <laughs> what about you, Allie? Well, I'm actually going to tell you about where my bad luck might come from. Oh. Oh. Because I have terrible luck in life. So when I was a kid in Ireland, we were in St. Michonne's in the basement. And my dad wasn't with us. It was just my mom and three children. Preschool, fourth grade, and ninth graders with her. And the guy thought my mom was hot, so he let us shake the mummy's hand. And everyone I told this story, they're like, mummies are just curses. There's no mummy luck, like he told us. Oh, no. Um, so I want to say that as the real one. But my sister, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, Nicole, if you ever hear this episode. Are you going to get in trouble again? No. <laughs> this, this is a story I can tell. Nice. Okay, okay. When my sister's five years older than me. And she went to D.C. when she was in, like, sixth grade with my grandparents, and I did not go. And she came back and told me the story about the Hope Diamond and how it's cursed. She went into the history about how everyone that's owned it has died a mysterious death, even people who have handled it, all this, all this. Now, I'm too young to know prices of things. My sister has convinced me that not only did she buy the Hope Diamond, she sewed it into my mattress. And because I slept on that mattress, the curse has taken effect and I have a week left to live. <laughs> what the fuck? But wait, if I tell my parents about this, they're just going to be sad and be sad for that week. So I can't tell my parents or I'll waste the time left I have with them. That's dark. Wow. How old was she when this happened? Sixth grade. I oh, was sixth like grade. first grade. Gotcha. First wow. That's a pretty intense practical joke. So I live my entire week thinking it is my last week on this earth. Holy shit, dude. I wonder where my anxiety comes from. Oh, my God. But that was the first time thinking I was cursed. And to be fair, did I ever get Nicole back? No, absolutely not. Did I pass down that trauma to my younger sister? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. God so damn. Sad. I thought I was a bad oldest sibling, but. No, yeah, I was the cake. genuinely convinced a week left to live, and that was it. My first grader lived those weeks as best she could. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder what it was like the day after, on the eighth day. I was so pissed. (laughs) I was so incredibly pissed. I was like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) Like, I put in all that effort. Yeah. Oh, my God. like you were dying. Never trust a sister again. Well, mine seems (laughs) like small potatoes compared to that. A few years ago... Wow, I guess it was kind of, it was like five years ago now. Mm. I was living in Japan for an extended period of time, and I took a vacation to Okinawa. It's really beautiful there, by the way. And I lost my wallet. It turned up, 
empty of like all of the cash in it. So Ooh. that really fucking blew. It was a good amount of money. It was like oh, no. over a hundred like American dollars. I was not pleased. And then after that, I had a shoe break that day, like while I was wearing it. <laughs> horrible worst thing and it was like a sandal too so that's like really hard to walk after that and then i was on a beach with some friends and we were trying to go to a beach on the other side of this sort of cliff type thing Mm -hmm. i don't know it's kind of hard to explain what the topography was and we were like well the water's really shallow here. We could just walk through the water from this beach to the mm-hmm. other side of this, like, giant rock thing. And it was really deep, actually. Mm-hmm. And my phone got totally waterlogged and broke, Ooh. and I had to buy a new phone. Jesus. And I wasn't even at my own place out of the country. I was just <laughs> completely nowhere where it was easy to get help with that. So... Oh, that sounds awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was an annoying day. I couldn't believe it. And I got in touch with my parents later. Like, I talked to my mom, and she was so fucking pissed at me. She was like, what the fuck? Oh, my god!" I was like, you're telling me. (laughs) Dear Lord. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah, nothing like, yeah, very expensive day. I agree. Nothing life-threatening or, you know... Like, y'all seem way worse compared to that, but it was a whole lot for one day. (laughs) That's really I tell you. And travel stress is a different level. Oh, my God, yeah. When you're traveling, anything Mm -hmm. bad that happens is, like, times a thousand. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is Season 3, Episode 3, Bad Day at Black Rock, the one where the boys get lucky. This episode was written by Ben Edlund and directed by Robert Singer and originally aired on October 18th, 2007. Jordan, were you so excited to see Gordon again? I was so excited. I actually was kind of shocked because, like, I feel like we've kind of forgot about this whole, like, Gordon storyline mm-hmm. of him getting locked up. I was expecting him to be a vampire, but <laughs> I was not disappointed. Yeah, no. He was only here for two scenes, but he was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was so great. I laughed so hard both in the cold open and in like the conclusory scene when he did the sam winchester oh must God. die aggressively Aggressive. hands up phone because it's like the same delivery and mm-hmm. body language both times yeah i was just like this is too much <laughs> yeah it was so much I'm glad to see gordon back that's something that's supernatural like we had complained about in a little bit in season mm-hmm. two that like they kind of have these plot strands that don't, like, go anywhere. So I'm excited to see in early season three, like, we're immediately jumping back into trying to connect everything back to the main story. And something, like, that I had kind of complained about last season two is that they've hinted at that there's so many hunters in the world and doing, like, outdoing their huntery thing. So I was excited, too, that we're immediately bringing in another character. Yeah, his friend Kubrick. Kubrick, Mm -hmm. I like Kubrick. He's a goofball. Yeah. I feel like this guy looks like the type of person Papa Winchester would have a hard-on for. Like, he's the exact type of hunter. (laughs) Why are we talking about... We don't need to talk about him. We don't need to talk about John Winchester. Why are you bringing him I up? I think we do if we're comparing, like, the, because we don't see many other hunters. So I think it's interesting to see one that's a lot more John-like and kind of makes sense for that I, he wasn't isolated. I actually disagree that oh. he's 
John-like because he has his whole camper and he clearly has like much more regular slash normal kind of lifestyle. He's clearly religious, so he believes in something outside of his own personal whatever. I saw him as overly religious and more unstable. Like (laughs) fanatical. Yeah, he's definitely colored that way in this episode. Yes. So I, I, and I just think generations wise, like, even though we know like Joe's parents, like she's definitely younger and we only have like the older generations as parental figures. We don't have them as random hunters. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting to see the older generation, the generation before them of just random hunters. It is interesting. That I agree with. Yes. Mm -hmm talking about the interaction between Kubrick and Gordon a little bit I love how from the cold open to the conclusory episode their positions kind of swap like Kubrick comes to Gordon is like I don't know but I'll check it out but uh," and at the end Gordon is the one who's like okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of funny because Gordon in his head is obviously like this guy is insane but i'm just not going to try and clue that in too much because i still want to use this guy mm-hmm. it's interesting too because like from sam and dean's perspective gordon is insane yes yeah <laughs> so like kubrick yeah. is at the top of the crazy hierarchy now but i really like that while he's definitely crazy and fanatical like you can see where he gets it from like this episode while being so goofy and slapstick also like him stumbling on these things i'm like i would probably believe i'm a messenger of god or something at this point or something yeah I would probably be like, damn, what's going on astrologically right now? That would be my first reaction. I'd be like, how many retrogrades we got? (laughs) 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 To contrast that cold open, which is pretty even tempered and, you know, at least to the point in terms of where the episode is going with the plot, we immediately burst into this huge argument between Dean and Sam in the car about Ruby. Yeah. I was really surprised that Sam just, like, told him yeah. right off the bat. I think all cards shown. Mm-hmm. No. The only thing he didn't say was that Ruby had told him that he was the Antichrist. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. And, like, Dean obviously was aware that the yellow-eyed demon was trying to use him Mm -hmm. for something, but not to, like, the extent of it. And Antichrist is a pretty big... Big, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, klaxons Uh going and everything. So he keeps that to himself. Yeah, I do like, though, that it seems like there is a little bit more trust kind Mm -hmm. of established between the boys in early season three. I think maybe it has to do with the urgency of the demon deal. He's like, well, let's not putz around about this. True. Yeah, it makes it all more, like, like everything's more impending because of the timeline. Right, right, right. Although when he tells Dean, because he's trying to help find a cure or whatever for Dean, I'm like, don't tell him that. You're going to get killed. Dean's going to go to hell. Like, don't mention the deal in front of Dean. Right. It doesn't seem to help anything at all to keep bringing it up with him. So I have to wonder why he continues to do it. But also I feel like that's so indicative of like a younger sibling Mm. behavior is just like the pestering. 
I have to feel kind of bad for Dean in this scene, though, because he does seem like he's trying to slyly find out, like, without seeming like he's mm-hmm. too concerned, actually, about getting out of the deal, like, find out what Ruby knows about it. Yes. And it's, like, the first indication we have that he might actually be concerned about mm-hmm. going to hell, because he's just too casual. I absolutely agree. Do you think, though, that he is right about his assessment about her? Because his big thing is, like, it doesn't matter what she says because she's a demon and she's lying to you and she knows that I'm your weakness and she's being manipulative. Like, does he have a point? I think he has a point, but I don't know. I'm, like, a little shocked that the boys aren't, Mm -hmm. like... Go in, because this is a dire situation, go in knowing you're being manipulated. Yeah. But try and also take advantage of what you can, just kind of like capitalism. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, that's Sam's whole perspective. Yeah, I don't think it really matters if he has a point, because Sam doesn't have any options, so he kind of has to follow that. Yeah, that's thread. So, like, I'm glad, like, Dean brings it up, but I'm kind of like, and what else would he do? Right, exactly. I actually... I agree. I'm like, as long as Sam can, like, keep his head clear, I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, I would probably cautiously be making the same choices as he would. Mm -hmm. So we get to the next scene with the two hunters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is it um, Grossman? And no, Grossman is one of the thieves. Yeah, but it's it's the one dude and Kubrick who is Gordon's friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like this scene. This is kind of what Supernatural has been missing a little bit for me. Mm. Yeah. If you're gonna introduce these, I'm gonna say one off. I do not know if they're one off characters. Mm-hmm. I assume at least Kubrick is not. But um, inject as much personality as you can into them. Yeah, because that's what brings a world alive. Yeah, oh my gosh, and Kubrick has so much personality. He's so fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Like, even just, like, the totems around his house, the don't touch my Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that fucking Jesus thing. Yeah. It's the kind that's made so that it's looking at you no matter what direction you're Yeah, which is why he was like, oh, those things are creepy. I don't like it. My aunt had so many of those when I was a kid. I hated them. I'm like, whatever religion you are, no one wants that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, God can be all-knowing, but also, like, I don't want this statue creepy-ass thing staring at me. I think it's interesting, the choice to have it in a cupboard, like, that specific kind of statuette that's, like, meant to say God is watching because it's always looking at you. Like always watching your dirty secrets. Apparently not because it it's it was in the cupboard. cupboard. But that's what I mean because that's where you hide things metaphorically. So you have the opposite thoughts. He he wants follow I Jesus to see his metaphorical secrets. But I'm I'm with I then Jasper is like, oh he wants everyone to think or Mm. subconsciously he doesn't want God watching what he's doing. Who knows? Who knows? I do really like his dramatic crucifixion portrait of Jesus. It's right, but be- it's always behind his head, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is just so over the top. I love it. It's so campy. It's so campy, but at the same time, like I know so many people with shit like that. Oh no, totally. That I love how realistic while campy it is. Right. Yeah. 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 While we're talking about all of his little Jesus things, I wrote down all of the bumper stickers on mm-hmm. on oh, his RV. Oh, God. There's, how would Jesus drive? Don't make me come down here, God. 
Bethlehem or bust. <laughs> what? That was my favorite one. <laughs> Bethlehem or bust. Also, oh, what does that even mean? Bethlehem. No like, what is your fucking plan? <laughs> like, is this a submarine car? Like, what are yes. you doing? It does go underwater, in fact. This is really an episode of Monster Garage. They convert the <laughs> RV into a submarine. And oh, hell yeah. That would be so fun. <laughs> Drive it all the way to Bethlehem. But yeah, like this, would we call it a B-plot? I guess we would. This B-plot of these two, like, not as good hunters bumbling around trying to find Sam is just really, really goofy. I, I love the gag with the bigger sins. And his friend is like, why does it sound like a commercial for, like, an Olive Garden or, like, a Shoney's or something? He's like, it's got a family atmosphere and garlic knots. It's like the whole delivery sounds like a fake, like, customer. Slogan, tagline. Um, No, what is it? Uh, It's not a customer response. Well, anyway. It's just ridiculous. And then every time something happens, the way they have Kubrick look up towards the sky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like the office, like the Jim looking to the camera, like, it, this is his god vision. <laughs> and I think it just offsets the slapstick, random luck stuff yeah. of the, the main plot so well. Just a completely different kind of humor. Yeah, this one did a good job of balancing, like, different tones. Like, they were wildly different tones, but none feel, like, incongruous. My brain is gone today. I got it right, though. Yeah, you did. That's all I need. Uh, But it, 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 like, still did it in a way that made sense. Because you could have these bumbling scenes, but when things were serious, or when they had to take care of things, or have, like, a revelation, it smoothly transitioned. I also liked how we went from this to a dark storage container. Right. I was really excited for this next scene. I'm like, I want to know what weird shit John has hung yes. up. Hung yeah. On to. Even just the stuff they point out, not mm-hmm. even like all of the things that you can see in the background are really, really wild to me. Yeah. The one that always gets me is the fucking landmines. I'm like, really, dude? What the fuck you need a landmine for, bro? <laughs> I just love the bloody footprints. Oh, yeah. that's It's so Scooby-Doo. It's so Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It's so over the top, especially, like, the piles of dust right. surrounding. Well, I mean, the dust, the dust I get, that's fine. Like, that mm-hmm. is a thing that happens when you leave something on a shelf for a decade. Yeah. It is. But it's still silly. But it also makes me think when they remove it, there's absolutely no dust underneath. Like, did he put all these things in here at the same exact time and then let the, the dust accumulate? Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah, I figure. Yeah, you know, John Winchester never did anything without mm-hmm. a long-term plan. Also, I saw it looks like there's a Confederate flag in the background and part of this. I didn't notice, but... Okay, I was like, am I going crazy? It it was not a Confederate flag, but it was red on the outside, and then it had a rectangle in the middle that was blue with a circle of stars on the outside of the blue rectangle. 
It was so weird. Is this a real flag for somewhere? Is this like an old state flag or something? Oh. Someone like let us, us know. This sounds like some trivia that maybe well, is it over was our head. Sitting on a coffin. Yeah. So it would have been like a soldier yeah. burial type thing, is what, what I the assumed. fuck? Yeah, it was like shadowed in the background. Apparently, dude's got cursed mummies, cursed yeah. soldier mummies <laughs> in his storage locker in Buffalo, New York. Who doesn't? Shake their hands. Yeah, yeah for don't. real. It's a trap. Some of the stuff they they point out in particular really messes with me too, though. Like, it's actually fucking booby trapped. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a fucking trip wire. I love that. Like, how paranoid can you get? But then when they do, the one of each Sam and Dean find a yes. childhood memento. They have Sam's soccer trophy and Dean's first homemade sawed-off shotgun. From sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> I've, like, I know it's, we're supposed to laugh, but Jesus, like, yeah. that just makes me mm-hmm. sad. I'm like, dude, let a kid have a childhood. Oh, sure. Yeah, and at that point, you're 11. Yeah. I can't even stand talking to 11-year-olds. I would never hand one a gun. Also, like, the unspoken pride is not, like, a trope I personally find enjoyable. Mm-mm. I'm like, if you're, like, gaslighting these kids into making them think that you did not care for them when you actually did, that's, like, almost worse than not caring for them, in my opinion. I don't know. It's fucked up either way. Yeah. Also, then, for it to be, like, secretly, I care about you, but there's a huge difference in the sentimental nature of a childhood sports trophy versus mm-hmm. a gun. <laughs> yeah. Like that mm-hmm. to me, I know that people get into arguments about like who is John's favorite or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like I look at this and I'm like, which one did he want to have a childhood more? Yeah. Yes. Alternative viewpoint. What if these are things that John considers cursed objects and he considers it just as cursed for his sixth grader to have a shotgun, <laughs> the sawed off shotgun, as his son to conform to soccer? <laughs> Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like interesting and insightful yeah. like they're cursed objects because they've been imbued with like <laughs> the energy of a child's yearning That's for their father's wrong, affection Jasper. and you're like haha John thinks soccer is fruity <laughs> I mean I'm pretty sure it's so, canon which is so yeah. weird because <laughs> Dean says playing soccer is the closest Sam will ever get to being a boy so oh true I have one thing I would like to point out before I move on because it's spectacularly highlighted by the backlight before they go into the storage unit. Mm. Why is Sam's hair like that this whole episode? It's so swishy. It's so flippy. It's so cute. I, listen, maybe I just played way too much Final Fantasy X-2, but his hair looks exactly like Yuna's hair. He just needs a rag tail that hits the floor. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> it looks like what happens if I brush my hair with a round brush. Oh my god. It just swoops at the end. Like, not to feed into the weird gender thing that mm-hmm. they're always doing, but, like, that's literally a girl's haircut from that year. 
That's like a Meg Ryan haircut. Yeah. Quintessential Meg Ryan. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and normally I think his hair looks great, but I don't know that Jared can pull off Meg Ryan that well. I actually liked it. I actually really enjoyed it. Wow. I this, was like, go Jared. This is where our taste diverges. This I is suppose. it. It hasn't been from the start. No. No, our tastes have been completely aligned from day one, and this is the end. This is it. <laughs> our <R>. final <laughs> straw. <laughs> I like how they intentionally kill the mystery here. I actually, mm-hmm. it's really fun because we go from like having the footprints of like, oh, who would break into like John's like, you know, storage unit. Oh, it's yeah. Two bumbling idiots. Yeah, they just reveal it right away. Yeah. Oh and gosh. can I say the cut mm-hmm. from them in the storage unit to the thieves in the apartment is so funny. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like, they're like, well, maybe they didn't open it. So, come on, man, let's just open it. Like, uh-huh. immediately. And neither of the lines are delivered like they're supposed to be funny. But just mm-hmm. the cut and the timing itself makes it so good. It's another kind of humor that's working really well here that, that wasn't slapstick. I also like how one guy is, like, profusely bleeding. Yeah. And the other's like, let's just open it. Yeah, right. They're not worried about the box being covered in weird occult symbols. They're just like, let's go for it. Whatever. To be fair, I would not be able to not open a mystery box. If it was covered in occult symbols like that, I probably wouldn't even touch it. I would absolutely open it. I once tried to open something and found out later it was an urn. Allie. I found it on the street, to be fair. Okay, that's different. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. It just registered with me. Why was someone leaving an urn out in the street? At a street festival. What the fuck? Oh. (laughs) So knowing my history, I know I would have tried to open it. I'd be exactly this guy. (laughs) Did the the urn make it back to his family? No. Oh my god. Jesus. I, I turned it into what's it found. <laughs> and they were like, oh my uh, god. I was just sitting there and in like the water drain there's just a, a fucking urn. But it didn't look like an urn. But then we realized when it was glued shut and it had initials. Oh my god. Welcome to my hometown. Jesus Christ. Wow. Long story short, I would open the box too. Does this have to do with you shaking the mummy's hand? I feel like this is more bad luck. Maybe you're just like haunted again. It all came from this. I was in Full fourth circle. grade when I shook it. Jesus Christ. Set me up for life. I want to find random people's ashes. This one's fun. <laughs> I don't. It's not the only time I found random ashes. Oh my God. Okay, we're going to have to. Let's. We're, we're getting way off track here. <laughs> Good God. Anyway, so you guessed it. They open the box. It's a rabbit's foot. So they're testing out all the luck and stuff. And then, oops, they're really bad at being stealthy. So the boys track them down from their license plate. Oh, yeah. I love how Dean's like, you should have fucking blacked it out. Like, Yeah, he seems like affronted as a a fellow thief. He's like, why would you do this? You fool. I bet he'd be like, you noob. (laughs) That was essentially his tone of voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, the delivery of it was just like, hmm. I really like the, how quickly we get into this just absurd action <laughs> scene. Because, like, it starts with, like, this obvious power dynamic. Like, it's mm-hmm. these two kind of goobers. And then, like, we have the professionals come in, which is Dean and Sam. And you're like, oh, no, they're in for, like, a real ass kick in. 
And then, of course, the rabbit foot just, like, fucks all of that up. Yeah, like, the bullets pinging everywhere and, like, things going flying, tripping on stuff. He breaks the coffee table. Yeah. It's so fucking Three Stooges, and I loved every second of it. I love it. If there's one type of humor this show consistently does well, Mm -hmm. it's slapstick. Yes. Because it's never at anyone's expense. Mm -hmm. It's just people falling over and things getting broke. I also like how we get a what's in the box moment. Oh my god, yeah. I know Dean was waiting for that. It's a dick in the box. <laughs> Two very different references. <laughs> well, we already did seven in um, True, true. We gotta get to in the episode dick. one. Yeah, definitely. I don't really wanna go through every single gag they do in yeah. this scene, but it's ridiculous. When I was taking notes on this episode, my roommate was in the room. And he was like, what in the reverse Rube Goldberg hell? (laughs) And I also love Sam and Dean's faces where they're like, what the actual fuck is going on? And then I love when Sam gets the foot and it reverses and now they get to watch these people. Yeah. It's just so fun. This whole setup so well done. The end of it where the corner bookcase falls on the guy and Mm -hmm. then Sam catches the gun midair. It's amazing. It's so good. So good. So then they have to test the luck on their own. Mm -hmm. The thieves were doing it by drawing cards, but they do it by doing scratch-offs. So fun. I want to talk about the scratch-offs real Mm -hmm. quick, and then I won't bring it up again at the end. But the scratch-offs and how fixated on them Dean is actually make me really sad because he's so excited to have income. True. And, like, at the end of the episode, they have almost 50K, mm-hmm. and then it all gets stolen. Yep. True. And all I can think is, like, they could really use that fucking money. Like, I know they have their credit card, mm-hmm. whatever, that they're doing, but, like, I don't know. They just grew up with nothing and being hungry. And what do they do with it? They go out to eat. Right. And that's it. Like, yeah. That, that scene makes it a lot more sad. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, when you pair that with, like, Dean's gusto for mm-hmm. eating in the bigger sins later, I was just, like, having a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, a weird amount of feelings for a slapstick comedy episode. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> before we get back to the hunters or anything, we actually get to see Wayne's death. Yes. yes. Oh my God, I love it. It's so good. And that's like, I want more of this in this mm-hmm. show. Like, make it campy. Like, it's a fun TV show, but it's also a horror yeah. TV show. Like, right. give us that horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's reminded me of the cold open in um, season one, episode <gasps> nine with the insinkerator. Yes. Yeah. Every time I see this one, I'm convinced it's going to be his arm in the sink, too. Right. Like, just every time. It's so obvious once he puts the barbecue mm-hmm. fork in yeah. in there that that's what it's going to be. But because he already skipped over the bottle, you're sort of like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I love just it. How, I like how it starts with the bottle rolling because it's like the universe is setting him up ahead of time. It's so fucking intentional. Wow. Getting deep there, Allie. I love you it. You know me. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Because I started with. She likes it deep. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I meant, but moving on. Also, Grossman is a scream queen. Yes. That was a really yes. good scream. I was like, wow, like there's there's some bad screams in this show. That was a good one. We get the call from Bobby, mm-hmm. and you 
are definitely right. Hoodoo is the magical catch-all. I told you! <laughs> it's hoodoo again. They don't know. It must be hoodoo. hoodoo. Okay, this one actually, though, is relevant, and it is hoodoo. Do you have some hoodoo lore I for do. us, Allie? I, I would love to hear it. it. No, let's do it now. But since we're talking about hoodoo, this one, while it's usually a magical catch-all, there is some relevant history. Rabbit's foot and having a lucky rabbit's foot is from totem totemism uh, just having a little like thing to protect you mm-hmm. um one example nowadays you can get car- <laughs> kangaroo testicles oh in australia i saw a picture of for your keychain very um, interesting but rabbits and it was originally a hair it's a phallic symbol for good luck fertility and harvest bounty in the 16th century this was used to uh, ward off aches and pains there's a there's a debate about whether the Celts did this too, this being a symbol of underground spirits because rabbits live underground, but they only had hairs at the time. So there's a little debate, but it became a big thing again in early 1900s America. Even Tony Roosevelt was said to have a gold one. He put that in his autobiography that he had one. And to sell rabbits' feet as good luck items, they specifically said that these were harvested by black men at midnight. And to be fair, midnight is a really big thing in hoodoo because it's yeah. right between that good hours and evil hours, basically. Right. Um, but they specifically would, like, amp up this. It wouldn't just be in a cemetery at midnight. The story got so fucking extreme that it became that the rabbit had to be killed in a cemetery on Friday the 13th at midnight by uh-huh. a cross-eyed, left-handed, red-headed, bow-legged black man on a white horse. Wow. Very specific. So they left that second half there out of the script for yes. the show. <laughs> um, Good on them for knowing for once where they should draw the line. And True. And to be fair, that's not like what happened. That's how people would be like, oh, this is lucky. It's marketing. This. Yeah, marketing. Exactly. This is how I obtained it. That's why it's so effective. And there's a debate over whether the left back foot is the most or least effective. It's a whole thing online, weirdly. But it's really interesting to look into, especially with the idea that left is evil. So is this an uh, evil thing that gives you good luck? which I thought was interesting how they portray that here. And also, while a lot of it is about racism and just like, here's this like weird occult thing that we can mass produce, there is the idea we've talked about before that the hair is a trickster in West African lore and also represents cunning and revenge. Uh-huh. And so that's definitely connected with this too. And I think <clears throat> makes a lot of sense when you're looking at an object that brings luck and then your downfall. Yeah ties in really well but overall i don't know did you guys have these growing up other people i knew had them same i always thought they were really gross they were so gross yeah but they were huge when we were younger i bought one recently because it was a dollar and i thought it was funny and my Mm -hmm. dog ate it (gasps) oh no yeah my friend had one and i'm still scarred because it was purple and we thought it was fake and like the the keychain part fell off and the bones were inside oh yeah um, so that was terrifying. But I just think it's it's really interesting that they actually connect hoodooism to something that is connect maybe or at least Yeah. Yeah. Racist I mean, lore is. In in this one particular example, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's interesting. I didn't know that it was connected to trickster deities or anything mm-hmm. at all. So that yeah. definitely adds another level of depth yeah. to what's going on in this episode. And whenever I watch this episode, I question whether it's a trickster episode at first. Because it has such a similar vibe to the trickster episodes in Supernatural. Yeah. Um. So I think that's so cool if that was intentional or just happenstance. But Right, right, exactly. Poor Bobby, though. Mm-hmm. He's like, y'all stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he is, and he's like, of course, like, you guys are so stupid. You can't just lie low. And then, <laughs> right. and then we get the scene of Sam being like, no, it's okay. We'll just lie low. And walks in, and immediately the one millionth customer. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then the scenes that they put in the background, too, mm-hmm. with the two hunters, Kubrick and the other guy. Yeah. How they're, like, literally looking at the menu to go to this place. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, that sounds like, no, we're not going to go there. And then later when they lose it, I don't know. It's just really well done. It's so well done. After they lose it, that's when Kubrick sees the image of them on the website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Bella's introduction. Yes. I love her introduction. Mm-hmm. And I love it even more because it inverts the usual, like, misogynist view of women mm-hmm. that can happen in the show and very often does. So, like... At first, it's that very typical super sexist, like she's got her Mm. boobs by Sam's head and she's being all like, oh, let me clean that up for you. And they're looking right at her ass while Mm -hmm. she's walking away and she's like coyly looking over her shoulder at them and stuff. But then as soon as she's out of there, she's like throwing her wig in the trash yeah. and she's like, got him. It's so good. It is really good. You love a girl boss. Absolutely. I, I love this introduction to her. I hate the wig. It reminds me so much of Dark Betty in Riverdale. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Oh, my God. Dark Betty. Dark Betty is so funny, though. I agree. <laughs> I love Dark Betty. I loved the wig because, like, I was so awful. Like, this, like, plastic black yeah. bob that you would never oh, yeah. see a human being wearing. To be fair, I'll take in this camp episode over any other episode. Well, and they made it clear yeah. that it was not her hair they were staring at. So oh I don't think it matters what wig she was wearing right exactly it just feels like if she like walked near an open flame her head would be on fire that's <laughs> like the plastic level. it yeah. wouldn't be on fire it would like melt, melt and adhere yeah. to her head since bella is here let me introduce the illustrious lauren cohen mm-hmm. who you may know as maggie from the walking dead the best character i agree oh and i meant to say this earlier but you may recognize uh ali you may recognize Kubrick, <clears throat> the actor's name is Michael Massey. He was Ira Gaines in 24. I haven't watched 24, but I did make note of that because I know you like that show. Yes, he was. I'm pretty sure he was super fucking evil. So, yeah, he kind of plays that character type. Mm-hmm. And while I'm on the topic mm-hmm. of actors, also, Jordan, you may have recognized Grossman, who was the second thief. The actor's name is Hrothgar Matthews. Awesome first name. He was Edwin Collar in Motherland Fort Salem, yeah. which I know you recently binged. I loved Fort Salem, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he looked really familiar, and I was like, where do I know you from? There so you go. That's where he's from. So many little so many little guys in this episode. We love to see it. 
Yeah, I really like the bad luck to Sam that follows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of course, like Jared is just so good at like the comedy stuff. Yeah. It's also like Sam does that shit all the fucking time anyway. Sure. <laughs> it's so in character. Right. Has when a- he knocks over the waiter with the big tray. Yeah. Oh my god. Like I could see that happening to someone his size, mm-hmm. like in real life so easily. Oh, absolutely. Just plowing over so Oh yeah. Oh, As yeah. someone who's taller than Jared, you definitely have to be ever vigilant. So <laughs> <laughs> taller I and much you're wider. Taller. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's Jordan. insane. Yeah. You have short person energy. Thank you. Actually short I people agree. Are hot. And then there's the thing with they have the music mm-hmm. when they're running out of the restaurant mm-hmm. after Bella and it's like the jaunty like we're going to get them music but then they completely cut the music when Sam falls over. Yeah. Just <laughs> very very good editing in this episode in general. I laughed really hard. I had to pause it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I Jared Padalecki is just so good at that like comedy. The shoe losing that has to be a meme. It is. Is mm-hmm. it really? Yeah, no, it totally is. I lost my shoe. <laughs> I don't need any more Sam is evil discourse. I need Sam is a fucking klutz discourse. I would love to see that. All I need in the show. Yeah. Well, especially, I think, when he's younger. Yeah. As the show goes on and they're trying to depict them as like very like mature, put together, professional people. I don't know, but... I wanted them to. Pre-season five, or like pre-season six, I I wish there was more klutzing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, no, the shoe line is like, do you know that meme where uh, it's a Simpsons one? They're like, do it, say it again. And Bart is like, ugh, and then says it, and everyone cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of those. That's mm-hmm. my big feeling about this line. I do like that it's just sort of like going on in the background the yeah. whole time Dean is on the phone with Bobby, like yeah. with the gum and like mm-hmm. trying to scrape it off in the grate and everything. I think that's something that's really successful about a lot of the jokes in this episode is that like they're nonverbal and they're just mm-hmm. sort of happening yeah. concurrently with other stuff that's going on. I do like how Bobby knows Bella. Oh, yeah, of course Bobby knows Bella. Bobby and- knows Fucking everything. Her alias being Bella Lugosi is so funny to me. <laughs> Did make the wig make more sense too? Because I was kind of like, why does she need a wig? And then I'm yeah. like, oh, I guess she's kind of this legendary figure in the underworld. So yeah, she is a master thief. Yes, mm-hmm. I like that she's like literally. They just put Catwoman in the yeah, show. For real, <laughs> for real, right. Yeah. So now one of your predictions for season three has come true. Oh, really? Yeah. You predicted that there would be a hot lady pseudo antagonist Mm -hmm. that they would have to deal with. Oh. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I'm not disappointed. I like Bella so far. I'm excited to see where she goes. Mm -hmm. I love her. I love her. And I actually like this scene, too, where um, she's at home and then Dean is on her trail. Yeah, Dean breaks into her apartment in Queens. The turnaround note. That fucking sends me. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, I think part of the humor there is because it's like he took the time to write a sticky note. Like, did he bring sticky notes with him? Were there sticky whole thing out? (laughs) I swear to you. (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. He is extremely Mm -hmm. extra. Yeah. And just his smile 
when she falls for it. She's so pleased with himself. Yes. (laughs) My roommate was like, I wish she would have turned around and there would have been another sign that said guess again. And then she turned around and he was next to the first turnaround oh my god that would have been amazing (laughs) it's like that's too much that's too much we just have like 30 scenes of her flipping between (laughs) notes her whole her whole apartment including the cat is covered in sticky notes (laughs) he crawls out from under the sink after (laughs) (laughs) oh god one of my favorite things about their interaction is that they have like this kind of cowboy music going on yes. while they're like at a standoff together. And it's it's very like, I don't know, you've met your match kind yes. of mm-hmm. thing. I've I just find it so cute. And I think the juxtaposition with this scene of Dean being so fucking smart and then Sam sitting in a chair trying not to die. <laughs> Yeah. It's just so fucking comical. Like, Dean can set up this elaborate ass thing, and then Sam can't even just sit in a room and not catch on fire. (laughs) Yeah, poor Sam. Oh, Sam. Briefly, I want to talk about some lines of dialogue from Dean and Bella's conversation. Because there's this whole, you know, argument or debate between them about, like, if you know about the supernatural, you should be helping with people, or should you? Because Bella's like, well, I'm just in it for myself. And I, I really enjoy her lines. You're just trying to save a world that can't be saved, and we're all going to hell. May as well enjoy the ride. Why not? We love a bitch who doesn't give a shit. Right? Well, especially, like, can you blame her? Because, like, mm-hmm. Dean is, you know, doing the most. And what's he got to show for it? Mm-hmm. He's right. going to hell, too. <laughs> right, right, right. His little quit back. Like, well, I agree with you there. Oh, Yeah. Poor baby. Also, I laughed really hard when there's the tiny, see ya, in the background when he shuts oh, the door after running out with the foot. Oh. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. I love it fucking looney tunes ass shit (laughs) and i like how serious it is until she starts shooting and the bullets are going fucking wild she (laughs) breaks all her shit yeah because you don't know up to that point so i really like that reveal i think it's interesting too that it's not just that she's like a good thief and like she's good at disguises and charming people and whatever she also does her own occult work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they make time to highlight especially the fact that she talks to spirits yeah which i think is really cool Mm -hmm. with her giant wall mounted ouija board Mm -hmm. yeah i love it maybe it's like an antique or something you don't know she (laughs) likes to have nice things i imagine it's like a fridge magnet with like a big (laughs) magnet um, (laughs) so you don't have to bend over when you're doing it you can do it standing up I love that. Good concept. <laughs> you know what? I bet you could find something like that online, though. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure this is not the first time someone's thought of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sam, oh my gosh. Can we talk about this motel room for a second? Yes. What is with this motel room? Like, it's really clean and nice and everything, and there's, like, the blue and the blue floral, mm-hmm. and, like, the fake ferns or whatever. What is with the giant red spotlight in the background? Every time I watch this, I'm just like, who, why, and what? (laughs) I've never once noticed it. Yeah, it's like there's that circular thing, Mm -hmm. like in the divider 
behind where Sam is sitting and just the circle cut out that's so behind weird. the wall behind it has like a big red light mm-hmm. that is very weird i was like what is there, going on there's just a giant exit sign in the <laughs> oh hotel gosh. room above the door love that but yeah i really like this scene the mm-hmm. whole catching fire of the ac mm-hmm. getting himself knocked out I like, too, that it's elevating the boys, too, because, like, something has to get in the way. Like, literally, luck has to get in the way for them to kind of be put on the same level as, like, regular mm. people, including other hunters. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Like, if they weren't experiencing this bad luck, the odds that Kubrick would have caught up to them are pretty mm. low, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, Kubrick's just a hobbyist. <laughs> I do like how it shows just enough to like cement the reasoning behind him thinking this is like God intervening or leading him. Um, Just that setup is so comical to see how he would envision this entire thing and how it makes sense. Yeah. There's also like just the idea of how easy it is to become a fanatic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just in general. At first I was almost like, was this written by Sarah Gamble? Because we have to have like the (laughs) Jesus fanatic. But I don't think it was. But it's it's Jesus fanaticism in a ha ha you're stupid way instead of a my childhood kind of way. (laughs) So that's how we know it's not Miss Sarah. Kubrick, obviously, his mm-hmm. fanaticism, but I also like the uh, other hunter just kind of, like, sitting there with his eyes, like, wide open, like, what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. on this day? Right, right. <laughs> Poor dude. Yeah, and he has his whole big speech about, like, look, like, that doesn't just happen. It's from God. It's destiny. I love oh that he gosh. says, I love that he says the fucking Blues Brothers thing, that we're on a mission from God. Yeah. <laughs> like... Oh, man, that makes me crazy. It's just so over the top. And poor Mm. Sam during all of it. I think, like, that's something that makes this really fun, too, is that usually in this kind of a situation, Sam would be much more serious or, like, Mm -hmm. trying to, like, seem like he's actually in control when he isn't or whatever. But he's just so, like, pouty and put upon like every time Kubrick says something he's like come on yeah (laughs) and they bring up Gordon and he's like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) (laughs) as if dealing with Gordon is some minor inconvenience it does bring up sort of an interesting question on like how this show understands or interacts with faith and the idea of God just mm-hmm. in general compared to some of the other episodes. Like in response to Kubrick's whole it's destiny thing, Dina's like, nope, no destiny, just a rabbit's foot. Well, it feels funny because they can, like, have destiny and things, and the boys can have these, like, divine intervention or, like, intention behind their lives, but as soon as it's someone else, they're like, haha, you're funny. Like, we just have our chosen ones, and then everyone else is imagining it. Right. Well, maybe. I don't know. I think both of them have struggles Mm. with faith and the idea of Mm -hmm. God, as is highlighted in previous episodes. So to have something that looks like maybe it's God intervening, but so definitely isn't Mm -hmm. in such a comical way. I don't know. It's an interesting change of tone Mm -hmm. for this show that I think is fun and needed. My only next notes are Dean saves Sam. 
Dee fucking deserves this power. I just want Dean as a superhero with luck for the rest of all time. Right. Yes. And he just, like, knows he's going to have good luck, so he just starts throwing random objects. Yes. It's so cute. Like, why not? Also, in case you were wondering, Jordan, I'm Batman is also a meme. Oh, really? Well, I yeah, think for it was sure. fun. That line made me laugh, too, because I'm like, you literally introduced Catwoman and made <laughs> Dean Batman. Yeah. He, like, battering some that body with a remote. Oh right, right, right. Congrats to... And now to... he is Batman. That's literally what I was going <laughs> to say. I was going to say, congrats to Jensen Ackles for literally being the voice of Batman mm-hmm. now. Full circle. Yeah, for real. It's a crazy-ass world. I want to talk briefly about the gag where Dean is like, I happen to be able to read people. Because <laughs> the first time that happens, when it's in the apartment with mm-hmm. the thieves, it's, like, really intense for some reason. Yeah. Like, they do the slow close-up on his face, and there's, like, the light coming in through the window, so he's, like, half-shadowed, and, he, you know, mm-hmm. it's very serious. He's like... I can read people, and you may be a thief and a scumbag, but you're not a killer, blah, blah, blah. And then he tries to do it to Bella, and she's just like, okay, I'm going to shoot Sam in the shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best way to shut a man up, is just instantly disprove them. I also like that we kind of establish early, because, like, we're kind of unsure what to think of Bella, but she's, like, kind of evil. Yeah, she's certainly an antagonist. She's like, I'm not fucking around with you. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I want my money. Yeah, well, we're kind of used with, like, Ruby coming in, and she's like, likes to play around a little bit and play games, but Bella... Mm-mm. Yeah. Right. Ruby likes to mock and be acerbic. Yeah. But doesn't seem to have much bite, whereas Bella shows up and is polite enough... But then shoots Sam yeah. <laughs> at the slightest yeah. provocation. Ruby's gaslight, Bella's girl boss. No gatekeep as yet. No gatekeep yet. Sam is gatekeep. I think we're going to have to revisit this. <laughs> I think, well, the, out of all the antagonists, I think Gordon would be gatekeep. <gasps> oh, that's true. Mm, there yeah. we go. So we got all three, our holy trinity. I love that mm-hmm. for them. I am sad when Bella takes the scratch off because I'm like, I get what she's doing. She's almost like restoring balance because they took all this money from her. So she took it from them. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't money they were supposed to, mm-hmm. quote unquote, yeah. win. Anyway. But I'm like, $1.5 is probably a lot less to her than 50000 is to them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It makes me real sad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on. let They're homeless. Let them have their money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Poor little dudes. It was a fun way to tie up the episode before our final scene. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I like having the Gordon scenes bookend this, even yeah. though they're not directly relevant to what's happening in the plot. They give you an idea of what's happening in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things in hunter culture and let you know that Gordon is actively coming after them now. Yes. Because the last thing they do is start to plan Gordon's escape. Yeah. We didn't need it in both places. I like it as a reminder. I don't think it would be necessary, but this is what was missing in season two. Like, just some tie-in. It doesn't have to be that the episode is thematically the same hunt or the same idea, but just having some thread connect them makes a huge difference. Exactly. In terms of, like, connecting the season. 
so now that we have this looming threat of Dean and how he only has a certain amount of time to live before he's sent to hell, since we already have that kind of overall looming anxiety, like we can really start to play with the world, which is what mm-hmm. they did with the hunters. Yeah. Right. Bringing Gordon back, we can introduce characters like Bella. Yeah. It's it's fun. They're doing a good job so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just having all of the characters that aren't the two main characters that come back repeatedly is yeah. so refreshing. Mm-hmm. I have some fashion stuff to talk Ooh. about. First of all, Bella. Oh, my God. Lauren Kona is just beautiful. Beautiful. I love her hair. The layered with bangs look was so in at the time. Mm-hmm. If you had long hair. She has that great dark tan leather jacket at the mm-hmm. end. She's all business. She's not messing around. But when she's in her house, she has that deep V royal blue tank top and like just some comfy looking black pants and she's just rocking it Mm -hmm. you know she's a practical dresser but she knows how to look nice yes and i love that for her and my only other costume note or fashion note is bobby's pig hat (laughs) i am obsessed (laughs) give me bobby's pig hat yes and that's like a whole ass hog. It's mm-hmm. not like the pig's face. Okay, it's the whole pig. I had never noticed that before really? this particular watch through that this hat had a pig on it. No, <laughs> really, I hadn't noticed. And I paused it and I mm-hmm. screamed pig hat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I have a lot of mm-hmm. weird ball caps, if anyone wants to know. Nice. So that's why I got excited. Want to talk about fanfic? I would love to talk about the fanfic. Thank you for asking. You stopped and looked at me, and I was like, "What if Jasper says no? What if this is the time?" You'd just be like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> I always want to talk about fanfic. Are you kidding me? So there are only around seventeen hundred total fics that are tagged Bella Talbot. Oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. Out of all of the supernatural fanfic on Ao3, she's such a fun character, though. I know. I think it's fucked up. Yeah, me too. So what I did for this one was to pick a rare pair of two characters who never meet. The title of this fic is When the Siren Beckons. It's by AO3 user Taste of Suburbia. Summary. Joe's solo hunting days are looking up when her stalker pops up and steals her right out of the line of duty. Season 2 and 3 AU. Ooh. So this is a rated T Joe Bella fic. Oh. I love that. Yeah, I know. What a good combination. I know, right? We need more of that. Just two girls out there bossing. Two girls bossing. Together, mm-hmm. even. Additional tags are romance, hurt, comfort, angst, tragic romance, friendship, drama, hurt Bella, protective Joe, hunting, falling in love, bonding, flashbacks, flash forward, fever, stalking, arguing, carrying, nicknames, Harvell's Roadhouse, kill switch, engage, and fem slash exchange. So this was done specifically for the fem slash exchange in 2013. Mm. Fun little side note, it has 6,666 words. (laughs) Please say that was intentional. Oh, I'm sure it was. I love that. It has under 500 hits, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think, like, first off, because female characters don't tend to hang around Mm. as long in this Mm -hmm. show, there's that already. Like, so they don't have time to get really popular. The other thing is that because female characters in fiction in general tend to be underdeveloped Mm -hmm. and boring, people don't connect to them as hard. So 
they're not as popular to write about in yeah. general. So relationships between them aren't as popular to be explored. Fair. And that's why I think, like, specific femme-slash-events like that mm-hmm. have to happen in order for there to be more of that content. Mm-hmm. It's not something people seek out as frequently, which I think is a shame. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a shame. And I hope it's something that's getting better. There's definitely better representation of, like, well-written female characters on TV now. Yeah, for sure. I'm really hoping that it'll get better. I don't know. Not to, like, talk about Wheel of Time, but Mm -hmm. most of the fanfic writing for that is sapphic because Mm. of the plethora of like essentially lady wizards who live in a tower with no men fair so (laughs) there's lots of gay shit happening there already and with the popularity of the show and a canon Mm -hmm. sapphic relationship front and center on the show i'm hoping people will just start getting used to it and it'll get Mm rogue out more but yeah rare pair joe bella i'm into it hell yeah absolutely What do you think? Are we ready to rate the episode? I am so ready. Okay. What do you think, Jordan? Oh, so I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 Mm. barbecue forks. (laughs) Incredible. I actually thought this was a really, really well done episode. I liked all of the characters, all of the life that they like bled into the characters, even Mm -hmm. ones that died. Like Wayne had a big personality for... Yeah, he really did. Yeah, only getting a little bit of screen time. I thought Bella, this was a good time to introduce her. I liked the bookends, both of the Gordon scenes. I think the only reason I'm going to take the 0.5 away is because like... I do think, like, there's still been, like, more iconic episodes that we've had. This is just a really solid, fun episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Allie? I have no complaints. This is so much fun. Also sets up future episodes and, like, story arcs. So I think it was fantastic in multiple different ways. And I didn't notice anything problematic, which, like, for a Supernatural episode's pretty good. So I'm going to give it five out of five Lucky Rabbit feet incredible i'm also gonna give this episode a five out of five Mm -hmm. um black bob wigs yeah and gold star to this episode and to jordan for being a magic object episode (laughs) when last time you guessed there would be a magical object i don't know how you figured (laughs) that you were like yeah i don't know maybe they'll have to deal with like i don't know like a magical object or something And I was like sitting here like oh my god what the actual fuck yeah I think like there's so much texture mm-hmm. to this episode and the humor in it is it's got so much depth like they're not relying on any one thing mm-hmm. and at the same time we've got woven into it already existing ideas of our world that are being expanded as well as planting seeds for the plot mm-hmm. to grow mm-hmm. in the future and i just think it's an episode that i never get tired of this is one of the ones that i like mm-hmm. one of the few episodes that i've seen like more than four times and i still really enjoy it mm-hmm. and i laugh at all the stupid jokes every single time hell yeah (laughs) well i guess i better predict what's gonna Uh happen next what next oh wise one so i think because we're introducing some pretty big plot points here my predictions are gonna be more set in like larger scale things Mm -hmm. than like specifically next episode so i definitely think bella was not only only introduced as a foil to the boys i actually think she exists pretty much to mirror dean 
because she kind of goes tit for tat with him, as we've seen in this. I'm going to guess that she also has had a contract because I'm like, why would they introduce this random thief if she's not going to tie into the big storyline? She probably also had like an abusive father like Dean did. (laughs) Maybe that's why she has a contract. I am still thinking Gordon's going to become a vampire. Literally, I will die on this hill. And if they don't make him a vampire, I will be super mad. But on his chase for killing monstrosity, which he thinks is Sam, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's realized he's already become the monster. And I think Mm -hmm. the show is going to hit us over the head by making him a vampire. I also think that Ruby is here to mirror Sam. So we're going to have two girls mirroring the boys kind of going through the same thing. Oh, and I don't think Bella is going to live very long. And I think she's not going to have a redemption arc. I specifically wrote that down for some reason. Like, I think we're, wow. like, expecting her. I, like, don't think they're going to redeem her because the show does not like women. You have so many things to say. You're just, yeah. like, firing them off. You're like, and this, and this, and this. Tell me, tell me more, Jordan. Did I write anything? Was I thinking for the next episode? I don't think I had any predictions for the exact episode because, yeah. like, literally what it comes down to a lot of the times is, like, the magical object guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really wild. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what the actual fuck? It's got to, like, throw something in the ether. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. So We'll take it. Sorry to give so much to swallow, but hopefully we'll swallow. No, we'll swallow everything, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll stop there. I won't make any jokes. <laughs> Ow, your face. <laughs> She was already. Allie was like, oh, please, no. Yeah, I was like, I can leave for y'all. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Elizabethville, Ohio. Woo, bye. Bye. Bye.